Sister Catherine Teresa, welcome to In the Pews. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for making your way down here. Where did you come from? Um, originally? Or well, from uh, today. Okay. I came from Southwest Houston near St. Thomas More Catholic Church. Okay. And is that where the convent is? Actually, no. It's a little bit off of there a little bit, but that's like the marker where everybody knows where we're at. Um, we're off on Gasmer Drive. Um, our provincial hall is St. Catherine Convent. Okay. Now, I understand there's a difference between a nun and a sister. That's right. That's right. C- could you explain that to us? Yeah. When people see us, they usually call us as nuns, but technically we're sisters and sisters are referring to those who are apostolic. So apostolic sisters. So if you actually see nuns, you would actually call them sisters as well. But in particular, their terminology that we call them would be nuns and they are the cloistered sisters. So okay. they stay within the convent. So it's more accurate to call you a sister than a nun. That's correct. Okay. And and do we have like when when women want to, you know, join the convent, do some of them, you know, get confused? You kind of have to explain to some of them they the do. difference. They do. They usually call us nuns whenever they say like, hey, I'm going to go to the convent and just stay with the nuns for a week for like come and see a retreat or something. Uh-huh. They do call us nuns. And then when they come in, we kind of uh, tell them what's the difference. Well, it is a little easier to say nun than religious sister. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, you just call us sisters. Or just sister is fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Are you originally from Houston? No, I'm not. I'm actually Canadian. I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and then I came to the United States, uh, particularly here in Houston 13 years ago to enter the convent with the Dominican Sisters of Mary Maglet Province. Now, growing up, did you always think that you were going to enter religious life? No. <laughs> religious life was never a part of my plan. It was never a part of my radar. I guess in the back, like in the recesses of my memories, I remember my dad saying, hey, um, I wish someone in the family could become like a religious sister. But that kind of like went one ear and then out the other ear. Uh, I've always wanted to be a little bit more on the medical field. And so okay. growing up, I always wanted to enter into um medical school. And so in particular, I wanted to be like a trauma surgeon. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That, that's like, it's the history is because I really love drama and I love medical <laughs> field. And I said, hey, if I put them together, like trauma surgeon would be the thing. And so um, growing up and entering into junior high, high school specifically, I kind of built up my resume to make sure that I could get to medical school A-OK. And so uh-huh. I focused a lot on building up my uh, CV a lot. So were you like a fan of the shows like ER and Grey's Anatomy and, yes. and stuff like that? Just yes, those. yes. That was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you an only child? Do you have brothers or sisters? No, I have an older sister and a younger sister. And okay. it's just the three of us. And did any of them consider entering religious life? Uh, funny enough, yes. My, my older sister never. She was, and that was, she was never like a quote unquote religious person. Okay. Um, but my younger sister, Christy, she did. And she actually did enter the same convent as myself. Um, she stayed for about two years, entered novitiate, and then she decided to kind of return home for some time to continue discerning. Okay, so, and she's still in that process. She's still right in that now. process right now. Okay, now you did say your dad um, asked, like he wanted a religious sister in the family. Did you grow up Catholic? Yes, I grew up as a cradle Catholic, um, but that's the extent of my Catholicism was like cradle Catholic. Uh, for me, God only existed on Sundays. I went to mass once a week and that was it. So entering religious life was a strange thing. And so, and I usually say if anybody can become a sister, they can. And I'm like the ultimate testimony of that. Really? So it was not in your mind at all? At all. So through high school, you just lived a, a, a normal teenage life correct yes and focusing then, on academic studies doing extra uh-huh. work just to look good on my resume but other than that then that's it 
Now, collegiate studies, did you start going into the medical field? Not yet. Um, I went to the biological sciences field first year of um, college um, before I considered um, entering to medical school. So I wanted to get that kind of foundation first. Where was that? That was in University of Calgary, just a local university. Okay. And did you finish that degree? No, actually, it was my first year there. And then near the end of the year, uh, my youth group was like, hey, do you want to go to this like conference thing on like the what, on the east of Canada in Quebec City? And it's uh, it was called the International Eucharistic Congress. And that's where I kind of my vocation story started. Really? What, what was it like? Uh, my vocation story is really weird. I say it starts off as a joke. <laughs> really? <laughs> because, yeah. The, there was Dominican priests and friars there. So they were in charge of my local parish. And I didn't know a, a difference between diocesan and religious priests. That was just nothing a part of my radar. I just knew they were priests. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so happened they to be, they were so happened to be on the same trip as us. And as they saw me as I was single. And so they kind of started to pick on me. And they said, hey, Catherine looks like she can become a sister. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the whole five days, they kept pestering me about it. Like, hey, check it out. Check the sisterhood out. And then eventually I kind of gave in just for the sake of getting them to be quiet. And so I asked them, what's the next step? <laughs> and then that's when it started. They pestered you into trying it out. Yeah, to check it out. I did. Now, did you date through high school? No, I did not. I stayed single. Your parents were strict or it's just the, just didn't work out? No, they were very strict. Very strict. Very strict. (laughs) They said you cannot uh, be dating or consider marriage until you like you finish university. Just make sure everything is like down pat before you consider a relationship. Were they the typical Asian parents who are just super strict? You got to study, study. Yes, very typical. So I technically I didn't have to do anything at home other than study. Oh, wow. (laughs) That was your job. That was my job. 100%. (laughs) Now, did did your parents um, grow up in Canada as well? Uh, no, my fa- my parents came from Vietnam, and so they immigrated to Canada after the fall of Saigon. Okay. And so you and your sisters were all born in Canada? Yes, yes. Okay. Now, in Canada, you went, so you went on that retreat, and then did you try out the first steps after returning from the retreat? Is that what happened? Um, you mean the conference when I went yeah, to? Yeah, oh, the, the conference, excuse right, me. Right, right, right. So I went to the conference, and then they kept pestering about it. So then I finally said, well, I didn't, I really didn't want to, but I thought like that would be the thing to tell them so that they wouldn't, they would stop like pestering me about <laughs> it. So I said, yeah, Father, like tell me more. What's this like the Dominican sisters you're talking about? And they're like, yeah, it's a life where you can give yourself completely to God. You should really check it out. And mm. I was like, yeah, I, I am giving myself to God. You know, I'm going with this youth group. I'm mm-hmm. serving as the VP right now. And they're like, no, this is like total dedication. And then I was like, okay, so what's the next step? Tell me more. And then they said, oh, just check it out. There's Dominican sisters in Houston. And I said, okay, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out when I come home. And then finally I did check it out. But uh-huh. just because when I came home, I, for some reason, that motivation to continue medical school, it's just like mysteriously dispersed. Wow. And I was no longer like really wanting to look into that area anymore. And so I became kind of restless. And it wasn't until in retrospect that, that I know now that when St. Augustine said, my heart is restless until it rests in you, uh-huh. that I really figured I was like, because I was pacing down the basin back and forth, back and forth. And that phrase of the fathers kept repeating like, hey, she can become a sister. She can become a sister. That uh-huh. phrase kept repeating in my head. And so I finally like Googled it. So Dominican sisters in Houston. And so I called the sisters and I said, hey, uh, but priest like told me to check you guys out. Can you tell me what's the next step? And uh-huh. then sister was like, hey, yeah, we actually have a come and see right now if you'd like to come. They were already like partway through their come and see. 
So I said, um, okay, let's, uh, uh, let me check the flights and everything like that. And so I checked the flights. My dad booked the flight. The next day I came to the convent. Wow, just like that. Just like that. Just like that. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty crazy, like really <laughs> radical. This is really strange because I never really expected to become a sister. And all of a sudden, I just came into Houston, went to a come and see. I came, I saw, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> you did? I, I didn't like it. Well, the reason in part was because I came through partway through the retreat. And so uh, everybody was kind of like friends already. They got used to each other. Uh, yeah. I came kind of last minute. So I, I, was like, I was like the Canadian who stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> so I didn't really like it. And so I said, okay, God, um, tell me now if you want me to like do this thing. And I was uh-huh. looking up the crucifix. I was praying and I was waiting. I was waiting. Nothing happened. So no I said, messages. No messages, no thunderbolts. <laughs> so I was like, okay, done deal. So I went back home and then just preparing to register for my fall classes. But when I was kind of looking through the classes, that restlessness started to return. And I was like, what is in the world? Like, what does this mean? And uh-huh. then I finally said, you know what? I'll just try it out for a year and go from there. And mm. so I said, okay, I'll just try it. And then I just did this crazy thing. I just like took all my money from my bank account. I took it out. I gave it to my sisters because I had scholarship money and things like that. Uh So she paid off her loans. And then I like closed my uh, insurance account with a car and then got rid of my electronics. Wow. I just like got rid of everything, closed Facebook, closed email accounts and everything. And I just packed up and left like a month later. Wow. I mean, so you, you weren't even in yet and you had already done all of that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's a huge leap. That that's it just is to, even just going for the come and see in Houston. I think a lot of people would have probably said, "Oh, it's all the way in Houston." Nah, forget it. You know, did you think about looking at something closer? No. Well, funny you should ask that. Is because I didn't know there was anything other than Dominicans. Because when I asked my priest, uh, the one who went with us on the trip, uh-huh. I said, hey, uh, you said there's like Dominicans. Or is there any other like community or organization or anything? Because uh-huh. I didn't even know where Houston was. I didn't do very well in geography. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, no, you know, Catherine, in this whole wide world, there's no, nothing else other than Dominicans. <laughs> and I believed him because he was a priest. And so I, I truly believed him and I just did what he said. So I came in and and then just check up the Dominicans. And it wasn't until after the convent, like entering the convent, that I realized there's so many more communities. And he was just messing around with you. Yes, because he was Dominican. Okay. <laughs> so he wanted Dominicans. They like joking around with you, huh? Yep, yeah, I took it for serious. <laughs> even, even joking around with you, you know, entering the convent. Yes. That, yes. That's funny. So you just drop everything, sell everything, give everything away, and so in your mind, when you're going to Houston, are you saying, this is it, 100% I'm entering? No, I I actually just thought I was going to give it a year and then uh-huh. see what it would be like. But like even I'm thinking back now, I have no idea why I got rid of everything. Yeah, you would think that, okay, in case this doesn't work, at least I have this money in this account, but no. Right, yeah. So I really, that's just the grace of God, I got to wow. say. Did your did your sisters or your or your parents say anything like, uh, hey, maybe you should hold on to this money in case this doesn't work out? Well, my sister was excited because she got the money to pay off her loans. <laughs> but no, so she was good with that. My little sister got my computer and all my other electronics. So she was good with that too. Uh-huh. <laughs> but my parents, so it was a, it was a little bit of a, a shocker, both a good and a bad. Because, well, it wasn't until after I went to the convent for a few years, I came home for a home visit. And then my dad was mentioning how he felt I... 
I changed somehow after the um, the conference. I came home from the conference. Uh-huh. He's like somehow he just sent something that was very different. Um, and so I never told my parents until I was about to leave that I told her, "Hey, I'm just gonna like up up and just go right now." And but my dad thought that there was something different. And so um, what was interesting is I came back home after the conference, and that that restlessness was still there. And uh-huh. then I decided when I decided to go to Houston, I can. I went, and then when I came back, I told them, "No, that's not it for me." So when I told them I was going to go, it was quite of a shocker for them. Oh, because you had you were firm that I was oh. firm. No, that was it. Because I hated the experience, right? I didn't like it. Yeah, you were and, late, and you didn't know anyone there. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. And wow. So, but it was interesting because one time I decided when I was like affirmative, like I couldn't get rid of that restlessness. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. And so I called my parents who were out on like a party at a friend's house or something. And I said, hey, mom, dad, you, you got to come home right now. There's just something I need to tell you. And then my dad's like, can you wait for a little bit? Because, you know, we just kind of got to the party, <laughs> just kind of got started. Is it urgent? I said, yes, it's very urgent. Wow. And then, you know, my dad is sensing there was something uh, serious happening. He said, oh, okay, I will come home right now. And then it wasn't until afterwards, after I entered the con for a couple of years, that my mom told me the story that what my converse, the conversation between my parents was really hilarious now that I think about it. Um, they said when they were coming home, my dad was very worried, but my mom was like, like hysterical like she was like no she was just like like off her seat because she was like oh my gosh something happened to Catherine she must have went in that conference and she must have met a guy and she's just gonna let us know that she's like she's pregnant (laughs) she's pregnant (laughs) and then she she was so worried the whole time coming home and as soon as I came home I was like mom dad I need you to sit down I was very serious about uh-huh. it. I had this whole speech prepared. I knew what I wanted to tell them, uh-huh. um, like this whole journey. Um, but the only words I got out after they sat down were mom and dad. I just, I wanted to thank you for, you know, taking care of me for the past like 19 years. Um, and I started like crying and I couldn't stop. And the only words I could like get out was I'm entering the convent. And then my dad was like crying because crying with happiness. Uh-huh. And he went over to our, our altar in our house and he was like, like kneeling down, just thanking Mother Mary because he's the one who always wanted a religious sister in the family. But my mom was on the couch. She didn't move an inch and she was just crying because she was like devastated. Oh, really? Yes. So she would have rather had it you being pregnant than, <laughs> than saying that you were going to enter the the. Possibly, <laughs> possibly. I guess that was like the worst, the, the worst news she could have received. Because I was kind of like the goody two shoes of the family. So I did things for the family. Uh-huh. Um, and so when I left, she was very upset. And she even told me all the way up until I went on to the airplane to come to Houston. And she said, do you know you're being very, very irresponsible. You're being very selfish. You're just ter- caring about yourself and you're leaving your family behind. Who's going to take, take care of your little sister? And so she kept on going, going, going. So even when I went to Houston, she wasn't a very uh, wow. happy mom. So when you when you went that original time for the come and see, what was your mom's attitude like? Was she just she's she's not gonna like it, or we'll no, see what happens? She, she didn't want me to go at all. She told the priest to tell me not to go. She's like, oh, don't wow. don't go, don't let her go. Like, why would you tell her to go to the convent? And she was like ranting and ranting, ranting to them. But he, they were like chill. They were like, yeah, no, no she's becoming Dominican. Um, but my so mom she was, she must have been relieved when you came back and said that you didn't want it. That's correct at first, but then you blindsided her. <laughs> yes, yes. Your dad. Was happy. Your mom wasn't. Yes. Did, what happened with, between them? Did they argue about it for no, a bit? I no, I guess it's because it's kind of like a patriarchal kind of family, the, uh-huh. the typical Asian family. And so my dad kind of has like the big say. So he was happy. 
So she kind of like went along with it, but she just kind of grumbled the whole way through. <laughs> but yeah. So you go to Houston, you start, you know, you, you enter the convent for that first year and your mom's not happy. Did that have an effect on you? A little bit when I went and I first left, because I don't like to leave things kind of like hanging. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was something that was still on my heart. But I guess it, it didn't last too long. Your God does have his own ways. And so mm -hmm. he really kind of changed her heart after I, I came back after six months of entering the convent. And then they let us go home for a home visit during December. Uh -huh. And so I came home and then my mom was kind of okay. Like she saw how I changed like for the better. And she started to accept that this was a path that I have chosen. And so she gradually was okay. Even to the point of saying, hey, it would be great if your younger sister went too. And I was oh, like, wow. wow, what happened there? So God really does work. So she was very supportive of my little sister to go now too. So she's at peace now. We talked earlier about the dis difference between a nun and a sister. Did you, your mom think that you were going to go into this cloistered lifestyle where she'd never see you again? No. Is I that think, what she was afraid of? No? No, I don't all. think so. I think she just like, just like based off, it's just kind of like she doesn't want to lose her girl. It's, uh -huh. it's basically it. So it doesn't matter where you go. She doesn't want you to lose you. Would it have been easier on her if you were, you know, if you stayed in Canada? I think it would have been easier because she, my parents, uh, generally speaking, really miss me and they don't get to see me, especially when we went to the novitiate for two years where we entered kind of like a cloistered life. And uh -huh. so we don't go home for two years. And so that was really hard for them. Uh, but now they're eventually, they're, they're, they got used to it. What about your sisters? What were their reactions? My, my, both of my sisters were um, very supportive. Uh, my older sister in particular, my younger one was kind of oblivious because we're nine years apart. So she oh, okay. was really young when I left. So she, she didn't really know. She just knew I just kind of upped she, up and left. She was what, around 10 at the time? Uh, about 12. 12? Okay. Yeah. So when you left, it was, she was still in her own little world. She was in her own little world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you, you're there for six months, a year. At what point did you say, this is it 100% I'm in. I think around December um, when we're about to go home for home visit. And when we come back, we have this eight day retreat, Ignatian eight day retreat. And that's when I said, hey, you know what? This life is actually not too shabby. I mean, I really like the food. Sisters feed you well. Um, I like the life is nice and peaceful and calm. And so uh -huh. I said, you know what? I'm just going to like just stick it out for the next six months. And then after that, we petitioned to enter to the novitiate if you so wish to choose to do so. And so I was like, you know what? It's not too bad. I feel really good here, really at peace, really happy. And so I decided to, um, to continue. And so when when I petitioned for my novitiate, that was basically when I was saying this, I, I'm, I'm in it now, like for life, like with certainty. Now you mentioned the food. Were you expecting <laughs> bad food? <laughs> no, I guess it was, it was better. Okay. Sorry, mom, dad, but I guess it was kind of better than when I was at home. I oh, gained no. like 20 pounds when I went to the hospital. Really? <laughs> yeah. I would not have thought that. I would have thought that, you know, they'd give you like little scraps, a very... Uh, bland food, but no, it was... It was very, very good because the sisters, um, the mentality, and in particular with our community, is uh -huh. that you need to be fed well or fed enough um, so that you have the strength, physical strength, to go out and to fulfill your your ministries. And so food is like, it's not like so important that we have to have this type of food, but they uh -huh. they want you to have enough in order to be well. Okay, because I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I imagine that scene in Sister Act when <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg's looking at the food <laughs> yeah, and... No, like, I don't yes. want this food. Right, right. Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> so you have regular food. We have regular right? food. Regular food. Three course, uh, three meals per day. <laughs> now, is there no Dominicans in in Canada? I think there 
are. I never really looked further into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my little sister was discerning, she did check out um, a com- closer community, closer Dominican community in British Columbia, which is a next door province to uh-huh. where I'm where I'm at. Now, do you speak um, French since you're from Canada? Uh, not really. Actually, not really. I took it like in high school, but that's like to the extent of uh, my French. I don't really know it very Just well. a little bit classroom language. Correct, not, yeah. yes. What about Vietnamese? Do you speak Vietnamese? Yes, uh, Vietnamese is very fluent. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that what the language you speak at home? Yes, yes. Okay, so you and your sisters, when your parents are talking with you, it's in Vietnamese. It's in Vietnamese, but when we talk to each other, we speak in English. In English. <laughs> yeah. Now, what language do you go to when you're praying? Um, you mean by default, like personally? Yes. Oh, English. In English. Yeah. So that's that's just more natural for you. It is more natural for me. I have to kind of rethink it a little bit before I get into Vietnamese sometimes. So I didn't really get a lot fluent in Vietnamese until I entered the the, the religious community here. And so because we have our elderly sisters there, and so we speak Vietnamese a lot with them. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's how I kind of gained the Vietnamese aspect of the language a lot more. And you're fluent now. Yes, quite fluent. Do you ever go uh, to Vietnam? Do you have any relatives there? We do, we do. My uh, extended family is still over there in Vietnam. And so we've gone back. Before I went to the convent, I did get to go home like three, about three times to visit Vietnam. And so I got to see like, my extended family. That's cool. But most of your um, your immediate family is all here. Yeah, my immediate family, just, which is my mom, dad, older sister and younger sister, uh-huh. are only in Calgary. We're the only ones in Canada. Okay. So if ever you have like family reunions, you have to go back to. And we never have family reunions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I really don't know like who's my uncle. Like if I can like see them, I probably remember vaguely. Like when uh-huh. the last time I went was like when I was in sixth grade, and so I can vaguely remember them. But other than that, it's uh, yeah. What is the, what is the life like of a religious sister in, you know, in your order here in Houston? Uh, the religious life is about like like the horarium kind of daily schedule. That yes, we have. yeah, yeah. So our particular community is focused a lot on preaching, and so Dominicans in general, if you notice behind our name is like the OP, which stands yes. for Order of Preachers. And so most of our teachers are sorry, most of our sisters are teachers, and so we have a few nurses. Majority are teachers, so we teach at the Catholic schools, uh, ranging from pre K all the way up into university. And so our sisters focus a lot on that. Um, aspect as a, a particular mission but in general in the morning we wake up at five in the morning um, on the weekdays just to make sure our sisters get out in time for their ministries and then we have uh, we carry out ministries during the day we uh, reconvene for evening prayer evening activities recreation together and then we end with compliment which is night prayer um, after that, we have something called Grand Silence, where everybody goes back to their cells. Their uh-huh. cells is their individual rooms or second chapel, so to speak. And so we uh, um, reunite with God before we um, end the day and continue the next day with Him. Now, as teachers, how does that work? You, you, when you get paid with a salary, does that go to the convent or do you, to like a group fund? Uh, or? It goes back to the convent. So I've never seen my check before okay. ever. And so everything that you make, you it goes straight back to the convent to kind of the HQ and then they take care of that. And then you get like a daily stipend for your We get a monthly spending. stipend. Okay. Um, the stipend is like $15 and then you use it when necessary. Okay. Um, but technically we never really have to tap too much into that stipend and it's a, or allowance, we, we, what we call it. It's $15 for the whole month? Yeah. When you do get a job at a, even if it's a Catholic school, it'll go to the, the convent, and then you just everything else is pretty much taken care of by, 
by the the convent, so you don't really have to worry that much about your expenses. Huh? Exactly. Well, the fifteen dollars is really just more for like emergency cases. Like, say, for example, we're traveling somewhere and they run out of gas, or you're uh-huh. traveling somewhere you forgot your lunch or something. Yeah, just so like petty cash it. on hand. That's yeah, right. just in case, yeah. uh, pocket change. Yeah, just in case. But you normally don't need to dip into that, huh? No, and then when we're when if we don't use it all, we return it. Okay, so if somebody were to say donate money to you, you'd put that into the, that group account. Right. Or you'd give it to the to the convent. Yeah. So usually if someone asks to donate something, uh-huh. we would ask them for what purpose you would like to donate it for. Uh-huh. And then we bring it back to the convent and we give it to whoever's in charge of that particular. For example, someone wants to be a part of the vocation sponsor association, then we bring it over there. Or someone wants to pay for sister's education, then that will go to that kind of fund. Or they want to... Um, donate for the sisters who are in formation. And so we put it into that kind of fund. So we just put it back where it is, uh, whoever the, the benefactor would like it to go to. You said your teachers, do you get sent to other countries as well? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. So far, it's because the United States, uh, the, the, the grounds are vast. And so we laborers are few. And so we're still working on the United so States. So just concentrating mainly on the United States. But within the United States, do, do they move you around? Yes, depending on if whether or not we have a convent uh, nearby for that particular mission. And so here currently we have um, eight houses, eight convents throughout Texas, and then mm-hmm. one in Garden Grove, California. And so whatever, wherever we have our degree in that we can serve in, and then they will kind of like, quote unquote, ship us there. Okay. So if they, they need somebody with sort of a biological research type of background, oh, we need a high school science teacher, then you'd get the call. (laughs) Yes. Yes. How much advance time do they tell you before they move you out? Uh, Technically about two months. Uh, if you want to be exact, and it's because in on April 29th, which is the feast day of St. Catherine of Siena, we receive our mission letter for the coming year, like what are we going to be doing? Okay. And so it's uh, some superiors share with you in advance, uh, give you kind of like a ish-ish kind of heads up. Some superiors don't, and it's like a surprise that you, that's what you're going to be doing for the next year. And in so April. Yeah, <laughs> at the end of April, and then by June, um, we already have like moved our things and to the new community, to the new mission, whatever that is. So it's always that time of the year. It's never any other time of the year. It could be depending on the situation. Oh, if there's an emergency, right? Right. But normally, it's April 29. You find out. Yes. Yes. Okay. So every every year, you you look and you're saying, hmm, let's see <laughs> yeah. what what's going on. If they're gonna send me somewhere, right. So some sisters receive a letter and some sisters don't. And so if you don't receive okay. a letter, it means you just continue on for wherever it okay. is that you're, you're doing. And usually it's about three years that you're in a particular mission. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, if uh, you're going to a Catholic school and then if the principal has to see a new sister, a new face every year, it's kind uh, of taxing yeah. on them. Mm-hmm. And so we take that into consideration. So give or take, uh, three years is the, the general norm for how long a sister stays for. Can you request to go somewhere? We can request, but usually the, it's uh, usually from the superior mm-hmm. um, because uh, it's like the vow of obedience, right? It's kind of, of like wherever it is, the superior wants to send you, which represents God, uh-huh. and that's where God wants you to go. And so you just go, which actually makes it simpler. So you don't have to think too much of like, oh, where do I go? Where do I fit in? It's just kind of like, hey, that's where God wants me. You just pick up your bags and go. Yeah, it's just one less thing to worry about. <laughs> exactly. You know, you okay, where, this is my assignment. This is where I go. It's, I guess it's kind of like uh, being in the military. Yes. You know, I got my orders. Time to do it. Just go for it. Just don't have to think about too much about, uh, you know, exactly. dwell on it. Let's just do what I have to do. Yes, that's exactly right. You are how many years into 
being a religious sister? So technically, if you count, when I first entered the apostolacy, which is the first stage of formation until uh-huh. now, it's about 13 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made my final profession um, almost five years this uh, July. Wow. So yeah. it's you're, you're deep into it. Yes. <laughs> no, more, <laughs> no more going out. I've sealed the deal. <laughs> <laughs> now, looking, looking back over the five years, um, did you look back at your life and say, wow, this this I never would have thought, you know, or oh, I've, I've seen it ever since. I would, there's no other thing that could have happened to me. No, I still look at it now after being here for 13 years and I'm just like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. It's, it's still amazing. It's still a crazy, it's crazy still a journey. Crazy notion. It's, <laughs> it's like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, Because I'm now currently serving as vocation director for a province. I'm actually not teaching. And so Mm. as I'm journeying with everybody, I'm like, I cannot believe it. Like 13 years before, I would have never imagined me sitting here or doing this kind of particular task right now. And so it's like, it's, it's boggles the mind. That's what you tell the postulants when they, when they first, you know, come to the come and sees and, you know, you you tell them, oh, I I never would have thought that I, Yes, yes. you tell them all the time. I tell them all the time, (laughs) but it gives them a lot of relief because because now the notion is you kind of have to know everything before you enter into something. Uh-huh. And then commitment is always like a strange notion um, nowadays. And so I share with them, like, you don't have to know for certainty whether or not God is calling you for eternity. Mm-hmm. You really are just called here so that you can give yourself a chance to encounter God in a way that he's inviting you to. And so that's a, it's, it's, it puts them at ease. Were there other women that entered with you that you thought would go all the way and then eventually decided not to continue? Yes, yes. Um, So when I entered, there were postlins who were there for their second year, and then I had six, including me, come in. So we had a total of eight postlins. Um, So I never really thought that you would leave. I think when I kind of entered, I really thought like, you know, you kind of try it out for a year. And then if the, after that year, you kind of know whether or not it's kind of right for you. Like, I mean, uh-huh. if you're going to date for a guy for a year, you kind of ish-ish know if he's, if you want to continue or not, uh-huh. if that's like the guy. Yeah. And so I was thinking, you know, after a year, you, that's like a done deal, right? And so uh-huh. my sisters, um, for the majority, did continue on after that year and enter into a second year apostolacy or they applied to enter the novitiate. And so I really thought that they would continue. But for the majority out of those eight there's only two left now wow so it's me and another sister did that kind of give you some doubt like oh they left maybe it's not right for me too or maybe you know or did you look at somebody else and say that person's holier than me i did i I was like wow that person is holier and she fits like dominican charism so well i mean like Uh why did she leave i did have that thought but because i was able to journey with my sisters very closely um because we have like spiritual companionship which we meet just we uh, sorry, with um, which we meet with each other and we get the opportunity to talk to each other a lot. Mm-hmm. And so you journey with them and you realize that it's really a journey. And so God calls them for a certain amount of time and then he wants to teach them, um, help them encounter his love in a special way. And from there, he's going to call them out because they're going to do something else with their life that he's calling them to. And so it was never something that kind of made me stumble a lot in my own vocation discernment journey, but it only um, fortified it. Um, because I know that God's plans is beautiful and it's just a way of when we got accepted at each moment. And so even with the sister that I was really close to entering, uh, who entered the apostolacy the same time as myself, when she left after making her second year of profession, um, she decided to leave. And that was really hard for me because we were really close. Um, 
But now I see that she's happy. She has like three kids. And I was about to ask that. Yep, she's doing really well. Um, she even had like a, another sister um, kind of to be the godmother of her child. And then we still keep up that relationship and seeing that how much she's bloomed, how much she's um, in love with her family and able to kind of share that faith that she received in the convent with her children, with her husband. Um, I say that's where God wants her to be. And it's beautiful. Wow. Do you ever look at that friend of yours and, and think, hmm, what would have happened if I had not entered? You know, I try not to go that route. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, no, I'm kind of happy here. I don't need to think further there. No, but it's true because um, I find that I find myself very much at peace, very joyful. And I s- see myself as having bloomed and flourished and grown that I know that this is where God wants me to be. Um you know, just bloom where you are sown. And and I see that, like many different things that have been um, happening to me in the sense of uh, the uh, different ministries that the Lord has entrusted to me. I'm able to carry it out and develop different uh, skills, different talents, and seeing all that just just, uh, lets me know that this is where God wants me to be. He's given me all the graces I need to carry out the ministries that He has entrusted to me. And that's like a surefire sign for me that this is where I'm meant to be. So I don't really need to look left or right. Now, for the foreseeable future, you'll be here in Houston yeah. doing your, at your current position. That's correct. That's correct. I should be a technically vocation director for a while. That's uh, kind of how it works. So it's more than just the three years or so. Well, technically it's about three or four, uh-huh. um, but you never know. Maybe uh, maybe halfway through, I'll be like, uh, I'm not doing too well. And then somebody superior will like replace me, <laughs> which I'm totally fine with too. I mean, everything is in God's plans. Yeah. What's the number one question that you get when when uh, a, a young woman wants to enter in religious life or even just explore it, what do they usually ask? How do you know? How do you know it's God's calling? How do you answer that? I say it's uh, in through prayer because God's love language is prayer, right? And so you need to enter into prayer to be able to kind of get on that wavelength, I like to call it, to be able to know. And um, you can't really know God's will if you're never going to ask Him, if you're never going to listen to Him, right? Mm. You got to you got to talk to Him and converse with Him. And usually, I invite them to go into adoration because uh, Mother Teresa said, "In the silence of the heart, God speaks." Um, listening is the beginning of prayer. And mm-hmm. so I invite them to go before our Lord and really to enter into prayer, to be before Him and avail themselves before the Lord. And that's really the beginning of how you know. But at the same time, I assure them, if you don't know completely, it's okay. It's like you're stepping into that unknown and it's okay to step into that unknown. It's like that uh, the movie um, Frozen, uh, when you know, Elsa goes into like into the unknown, she has like that perfect song. And so I, I gotta say, like, it's like when I listened to it the first time when I saw the movie, I was like, wow, that's exciting. Exactly, like what these girls need to like to hear because uh-huh. you're stepping into the unknown and it's okay. Um, it's okay to step into the unknown. And so I really assure them that that's okay. And it's because at the same time, the, the vocation is a mystery and it's okay to step into a mystery and continue to discover. You don't have to know in order to take the next step. Are there any other big misconceptions that uh, that women have when they're exploring entering the you know, religious life? Yes, there is. And it usually happens uh, after like the first, second or day after they come to a retreat with us. They're like, this is not what I expected. 
<laughs> and I'm like, what did you expect? I expected like prayer 24-7 and sisters like frowning and looking down all the time, <laughs> their eyes downcast, you know, because they see sisters as something like uh, solemn uh-huh. or very serious. And you think we pray all the time. Oh, we don't. We have a very balanced life, especially as Dominicans. Uh, so we have apostolic life. We have community life. We have study life, prayer life. We come home, we recreate, we do community. Community is a really big thing for Dominicans. And so that's like one thing that really drew me to Dominican uh, is their community life, and so we're very well balanced. So you you spoke of recreation. What do you what do you do on your free time? Games. You- okay, no. <laughs> uh, sisters, we have recreation time as community, and so we play like uh, family board game tables, like okay. Uno, Skippo, Rumi Coop, things like that. Okay. Uh, no PlayStation. No, <laughs> actually, I do know how to function that thing anyhow. So no. That would be awesome. <laughs> Let's see the sisters. <laughs> see uh, the sisters. Like, I'm gonna get you. Yeah, yeah, we probably need to not go that route. Yes, <laughs> too competitive. Yeah. Now, other things. Are there any other misconceptions that that young women have about the entering, you know, religious life? They find that we're not. Um, they think that we don't have a very joyful life. Mm. It's, it's another another misconception that I find. And so they find that as soon as they consider the religious life, um, even if they ever do, they are afraid because they find that they can never be happy. Oh. Um, so that's uh, that's one. And it's it's because they find they have to give up everything when they enter the convent. Uh-huh. And so this, this fear of giving up and fear of no attachments and fear of just not belonging. Um, it's it's something that really strikes at them. But it's not until when you enter the comment do you see that when we give up everything, it's where we find most joy. It's when you're able to detach yourself from everything that you have been attached to. Do you, are you able to attach yourself to your true ultimate joy, um, who is God? And so when they come in, they that's the first thing that most of the ladies notice is like, wow, you guys are so joyful and sometimes mm-hmm. i find that i'm actually i'm not that joyful sometimes i'm tense i'm stressed and so you know i frown mm-hmm. but somehow they don't see that they see something beyond that because what radiates forth from us is not us it's christ who radiates that joy um our union with him and so that's what really attracts them is that joy and that's something that everybody is looking for that peace that joy that happiness that yearning to be fulfilled and to belong and so they experience that when they come and so it's a really beautiful image when they first come to retreat they're kind of hesitant they're even like am i doing the right thing as uh-huh. soon as they enter the convent oh my gosh the gate's closing in on me um <laughs> but but when they leave it's completely different it's an amazing transformation wow that's fantastic do you have any experiences with uh uh, with young ladies whose parents are not supportive, kind of the way your mom was. Yes, yes. There, there are quite a number of parents who um, are not supportive of those who are discerning religious life of their children in particular. They'll be like, okay, yeah, another another person's child, go for it, but not mine. Um, uh-huh. So they have that attachment to their child, which is a good thing. I mean, you love your child and, and all that. Um, but I do have quite a number of parents who are hesitant. And it's because also because of the misconceptions they have of religious life and they'll be cut off from their child or my child will be unhappy. So but it's not until they are interacting with the sisters themselves that they re- that the, those misconceptions are kind of like put away, are they more open to it? So I encourage like for families to really go and visit a convent, go go pray with them for some time, go have dinner with them, um, with the sisters and just see that they're really normal, um, that uh, we're very happy. And it's then, not a life of torture. It's not right? a life of torture. <laughs> right, right, right. We're, we're not encaged either. Because <laughs> when you... When you use that term cell for your room, it kind of sounds scary, <laughs> yeah. right? 
Yes, yes. So the term cell is kind of going back to like what St. Catherine says, um, like the, her room, her cell is her like intimate union with God, like her individual chapel. And so that's why it sounds like it. But it's not, her cells, <laughs> quote unquote cells are not barren. It's not like uh, hardcore, like floor, solid, like concrete. Uh, no, no, it's like regular bedroom. There are no there's bars no, and they don't no lock bar. you in. Exactly. <laughs> the, the lock's on the inside. You have to lock yourself in, that kind of thing. It's a regular bedroom. Yeah. Now, what do you usually tell those parents? You just tell them, come and see. Well, the I actually, ones that- well, I like to talk with them first, kind of get uh-huh. them to to know me and to okay. to to know the sisters in and through myself. And so having just a regular conversation and then when they're asking questions, you know, I can just joyfully tell them like the, like the honest truth and then just kind of get from there. So on a, that one-to-one conversation is very important. And so that kind of eases their mind after they know who they're talking to. It's not like scary. Um, it eases their mind. And then eventually I invite them to con- come to the convent and kind of really check it out. One of our priests that was on the show said that there's also parents that are on the opposite end of the spectrum who are really pushy. Do you ever have those? <laughs> Plenty of those parents too. Those <laughs> parents who really want their children to become sisters when um, they themselves do not want to become really? sisters. <laughs> or because their parents push them so much, they're afraid and they don't want to do it because mm. their parents want it so much, they kind of resist it. Oh, so otherwise they would have done it. Perhaps so. Perhaps <laughs> so. And so I do have those parents too and that's when I actually would tell them, oh, it maybe maybe just let them have them their own time because what happens happens is we've had those like retreats when the parents kind of just like put their child like register for them and mm-hmm. the child thought it was like a summer camp or something but they're coming into the convent it's not a summer camp I mean we do have fun but it's not that type of a fun and uh-huh. so they're they're shocked when they come and so those are the ones who are like resistant and they don't want to do anything you're telling them to do oh. um, so more of the high school age students um, but other than that I usually have the conversation with the parents first and if I know that they're there because um, they're the parents are putting the children themselves and I let them know. I was like, hey, you maybe another time would be more appropriate and kind of talk them out, out of it. If someone wants to enter a religious life, how can they contact you? If you know, there's a young lady who wants to join the Dominicans, how, how do they contact you? What, what, is, what is their first step? So the first step, of course, would be to hopefully reach out because usually when you're in the stage of discerning, you're kind of hesitant on what to do from here. And it's the same with my community as any other communities. It's really just to first reach out. And usually they have an email for the vocation director. Mm-hmm. If you feel more comfortable, distantly, like just by emailing. There's inquiry forms you can always kind of put through the, their websites. Um, or can call. they contact you like yes. from here in Houston? So uh, what's the website for that they can So look? for our community is HoustonDominicans.org. And so and there on the top, you will see um, a tab that says vocations and you can go in there as the introductions. You get to kind of read whatever I have to say and then you can look through the different events that are available and you can like sign up for a event or inquire for more information regarding an upcoming um, event. And then it'll move on from there. And it'll move on you'll, from there. You'll contact them and you'll... There yes. will be emails sent back and forth. Yes, emails sent back and forth. Or if you provide your phone number, I'll call you and I'll reach out to you directly. And as I'm actually pretty quick at it, I got to say, by God's grace. And so when you reach out, I usually respond pretty promptly. Do you ever have any, uh, say, religious uh, people who are looking into religious life that take too long to contact you? They try to do their own discernment on their own. 
They do. There's there are, there are many who take uh, who want to discern on their own, uh-huh. and then it's not until sometime later till they start to contact me. But that's when I really reach out to all those who are discerning or even have this, some kind of a notion, just to want to know more about religious life. It's really just to seek out and learn more about it. When you go to a come and see retreat, it's not like you're stealing a deal right on the, the get go, right? You mm-hmm. really go there to really learn more about the religious life to see what it's kind of like. And so I really encourage all those is because you can discern. But when you discern with another person, it's much easier. It's such more a blessing. And then you can have someone help guide you. Uh, so I really recommend all those who are even open to the notion is really just to reach out. And so to have someone walk with you, it's better to walk with somebody than walk alone, especially when you're going into like the unknown, if you're not sure what it's about. Do you ever see yourself in some of these young ladies? Oh, she thinks she's not made for it, but you know. I do, I do, but at the same time, I don't tell them directly whether or not I find that they're like, oh, you're fit for religious life, or you're uh-huh. fit for this community, or maybe Franciscan's more Yeah, for you don't want to scare them all. <laughs> no, <yeah>. no, <laughs> but it's even more than that, I think, more than just a matter of scaring them or off. Or pressuring them? It's like maybe pressuring them, but also when you allow the discerner, the one who's discerning, to really make the decisions themselves, it's a more fruitful experience for them. So it's because sometimes as religious or priests um, or wearing like the religious garb, um, the habit, then usually people are thinking whatever you say is like coming from God, right? Uh-huh. And so we don't want to kind of mislead them and mm. saying, hey, that yeah, we are speaking on behalf of God. Yes. I mean, we're still human. But when you make the journey, the decision yourself in and through your prayer life with God, it's, it's so much more fruitful. Do you ever get like really surprised when somebody actually does make it through the whole process? <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's a miracle because this this way of life is really against the current. And so when someone um, reaches like a, at the stage of making their final profession, it's like it's a, it's a really a miracle before your eyes. And it's really God's grace for them to be able to come to that point. And so I am surprised, but it's like a happy surprise. What do you what would you say to somebody who's really scared and is thinking about it, is is feeling that call, but is hesitant to, you know, go to the website and send the email or even look into it. What would you say to that person? I would tell them what Jesus told them. Be not afraid. He says, if you actually count how many times it is, it's 365 times in the Bible when Jesus says, be not afraid, or the phrase uh, appears in the Bible. It's like one for every day. And so God cares for you so much that he's going to say, be not afraid every day to you. And really, you don't have to be afraid if you think about it, because God has already thought of you, wanted you, desired you, informed you and before you in your mother's womb and thought of you already. So why would he lead you into something that is scary for you? Why would he lead you into something that is questionable. It's because he loves you so much. He wants you to show you his love and to help you encounter his love. And so it's really nothing to be afraid of. It's like it's a beautiful story that you're about to enter into and to flesh out and become part of your story. So there's really nothing to be afraid of. And it's really just just it's just sit the, just hit the like the send on the email, the submit form and then just let God take the wheel. If I can use that phrase. Thank you so much for sharing us with your story and your experience. It's uh, it's awesome. We're so glad to have you here. Praise God. I'm so glad for the opportunity because it's it's um, not always a chance that you get to share about um, your story, my story, and to share the beauty of the religious life and what God's calling everyone to. So it's a great pleasure. And thank you for having me here. Oh, thank you. Uh, who knows? Maybe somebody will see this this interview and say, oh, you know, I will send that email. Amen. Praise God. <laughs>